0: There's only one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie, and that, of course, is Bojo's. And right now at Bojo's, which is the only place that you can get that true Colorado mountain pie, they're also going to give you a free honey cheese bread when you mention DNVR. And this is good at all locations. They've got six Colorado locations all across the state. So make sure you check out Bojo's and make sure you get your free honey cheese bread to go along with that delicious Colorado mountain pie. Thank you. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Stravacraft Coffee. Make sure you use the code DNVR20 when you get your StravaCraft Coffee. It's rich, it's tasty, it's CBD infused, and you're gonna uh, love it. Good morning, fellas. Happy Monday to you. What's up? What's up? Not much. Mace, how you doing? I am all right. I'm awake. Good, good.
1: Anytime you're awake, it's good.
0: That is great. Yeah, Anytime your eyes open up in the morning, it's a, good, it's a first win of the day.
1: My eyes opened up after
0: seeing at
1: least part of all four XFL
0: games this weekend. Wow. I cannot say the same for myself. I saw zero snaps.
2: I saw probably five more snaps than you. Okay. Uh, some team with green helmets. Oh, that's your Tampa
0: Bay. Vipers. Vipers. They're playing the wrong
1: quarterback. They're playing uh, Aaron Murray instead of the great dual threat Quentin Flowers. You know, if a mobile quarterback who can make things happen off script improvisationally is a bit of a cheat code, it's a supreme cheat code in a minor league. And of mm-hmm. course, you have a coach in the Tampa Bay Vipers in Mark Tressman, who comes from kind of a West Coast background historically. So he's a smart guy. He'll figure it out, but he's got the wrong guy at quarterback right now. But the fact that I'm able to have this sort of discussion shows. I probably, played, probably paid too much attention to it. But before we move on to other things, I will say this of the XFL this weekend. I thought it under-promised and over-delivered, well, which about- is a nice change from what we've seen from past startups. Now we'll see if this last, the, the telltale sign is going to be what the ratings are and the attendances in weeks two and three. You always get people watching the first week. Like, for example, the AAF last year had a 2.9 rating, uh, overnight rating on CBS for its first game. The XFL this weekend had a 3.3 rating for its first game on Saturday afternoon.
2: Well, Mace, I mean, great segue there because you know who the brother of Aaron Murray is?
0: Who? Jamal Murray.
2: Former bachelor, I believe. Really? I think so.
0: I think you're getting confused with Aaron Rodgers maybe. Maybe I I think there was a contestant that that was a brother. What a Freudian slip that (laughs) that Zach confused Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Murray. No, you're right. Oh my God, they're both. Aaron
1: Murray's older brother, Josh Murray, was a contestant in the 24th teen season of The Bachelorette. About Way that. to go, Both Zach. Guys. Both guys. All right.
0: you <laughs> got, it is
2: Bachelor Monday. So you got Josh that.
0: Murray and Jordan Rogers, <laughs> the other guys, as you might say. And they
2: have similar brothers.
0: Uh, here's what I've decided on the XFL. I'm not like trying to not watch it. I just won't make it a priority. If I'm at the TV, if it's around. But I had stuff going on this weekend, so I, I wasn't going to plan my day around the XFL.
1: And that's. I think that's going to be where I settle as well. That being said... If the Vipers play Quentin Flowers, their backup, the best quarterback in the history of the University of South Florida. I mean, who's your favorite CU football player, Ryan?
0: Ever? Ever. Or just say in the last 10 years. Oh, God. Philip Lindsay? (laughs) How you
1: feel about Phil is how I feel about Quentin Flowers. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So if the Vipers start him, man, I'm, I'm all in. I'm not missing a game.
0: All right. That's fair. Um... There was a little bit of Broncos news this weekend, and I put news in air quotes here because I thought everyone would just breeze by it. Such was most certainly not the case, as it caused quite a stir on Broncos Twitter at the very least. Um, A reporter, I believe he goes by the name Dan Silio.
1: Yeah, Dan Silio has quite the reputation, and it's not a good
0: one. I mean, he has silly in his name. Um... He Report. lost three jobs in a year once. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's fa- more than I've lost in my entire life.
1: <laughs> and before <laughs> we get into it, honestly, Silio has been around Florida. So, like, he's worked in the Tampa market. So, I'm familiar with his work. Okay. And so, when I saw this tweet from Dan Silio, honestly, guys, I just ignored it and... It's Passed of it off as rubbish.
2: Okay, so and that's that's what I did too. Uh, in his bio, can we he just says, read the tweet first? Well, I just gonna need to. All right, it all right, out. all right. America's most notorious sports radio host.
1: Oh, he's one of those guys. <laughs> isn't that Colin Cowherd or Skip
0: Bayless? Although it, Skip isn't Bayless it also isn't really radio.
2: when that's when that's your bio. Yes, self-proclaimed.
0: Okay, do you have the tweet in front of you? Um, um
2: I do. I do have the tweet. He says. At Bengals, I have been told they're listening to offers for the number one pick in the NFL draft from, one, the Chargers, two, the Miami Dolphins, three, the Broncos, four, the Chicago Bears, and five, the Buccaneers.
0: Okay. <clears throat> so before we go on some, like, scorched earth on Dan Cilio, I'm really not interested in him at all. Um, he wasn't, compl- as far as I know, he wasn't completely off base here. Where he went wrong was with his terminology as listening to offers. That implies that teams are putting stuff on the table. Are offering. Are are saying, we will give you X, Y, and Z. And the the Bengals have the opportunity to say yes, and the trade moves on. As far as I am concerned, this is something the Broncos – like to do which is to find out really what it would take to go anywhere in the draft and so i was told that the broncos have talked with the Bengals, but not in a sense of we'll offer you this it's more of a sense of okay what would it take okay um what about this? Would this do it? No. Okay. You, you know, it's almost – it's more along the lines of due diligence. And the reason I was told that uh, John OA specifically likes to do this before they get deep into the draft process is so if they see a guy and he checks off every single box and they say, this guy is our favorite prospect we've ever seen in the scouting process, then they know – Okay, if we absolutely have to have this guy, we can't go any further without trying to get him. We can't go to sleep at night without trying to get him. We know what it would take.
1: Well, back in 2016 at the pre-draft press conference, this was the year, of course, coming off the Super Bowl 50 win. John Elway mentioned something similar in regard to the moving up to the number one or number two overall pick for Carson Wentz when when he was – asked about quarterbacks talking about him, but said that the price was too high to go from 32 to basically pick two or pick one to get Carson Wentz. But it was clear that, for example, that year they loved Wentz. And if they had been in a a more advantageous position in terms of draft capital, they might've considered doing what it took to get up and get him given the need at quarterback in the wake of Peyton Manning's retirement and Brock Osweiler's free agent departure.
2: So what does this mean? In, in, in the big scheme of things, isn't Drew Locke the guy? Why would, why would John Elway, if he thought Drew Locke was the guy like we do, why would he even be making these calls? Maybe, it's, mean, maybe Do you it's, think, do maybe you think it, the teams that have the Carson Wentzes of the world, the, the Patrick Mahomes, are making these calls to, to even inquire?
1: Maybe it's not about a quarterback.
0: With, for the number one overall pick? Maybe they love Chase Young. See, to me, the way it was explained to me is it doesn't have to do with any player as we speak because they haven't even gotten that deep into this yet.
1: But at the same time, they've already seen has already seen Chase Young in person and they may there may already be a strong opinion about that one player in the building. And thus you take the hypothetical. OK, let's just you know, we, we live in fantasy worlds from time to time, hypothetical worlds. Well, let's just, okay, let's just see. If by some chance we wanted to go get him, what would it take? And then you find that out. Now, what's interesting is that in light of what we've heard from rumblings coming out from Joe Burrow's family about, okay, are they really on board with the Bengals or not? I haven't heard any of that. Yeah. That's the thing that, that –
2: uh, Yeah, there's a little more doubt If Joe Burrow actually wants to go to Cincinnati. Right.
1: Uh, I hate this. The problem is that a family living in Ohio, especially southern Ohio, and they're from southeast Ohio, of course Cincinnati's in southwest Ohio, would be very familiar with the Bengals' legacy and history of incompetence, of the perception that they're not all about winning the big ring getting the Lombardi, that other things are of higher priorities in Cincinnati than that. They would
0: know. So, again, to me, this is a non-story. Even if it was to be true, which I think it's, it's a stretch to say it's even true, especially the part of they have listened to offers. I think the Broncos have called. They said, hey, what are you guys looking for? Um, you know, Sometimes when I'm walking into a stadium, even though I already have tickets, I ask the scalper, hey, uh, what are you looking for? You know, because I want to know if they say, hey, um, yeah, we're, we're looking for 500 for first-level seats. I'm like, oh, maybe I should sell my first-level seat. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, sometimes you just want to know. And I think uh, I actually agree with this policy or this uh, strategy. Also, here's the other thing. If you find out right now that the Bengals would want three first-round picks, but then as you get closer to draft day – and again, you have some guy that you're in love with. You you hear that the Bengals aren't getting any offers close to that. Well, then maybe you say, "What about what about two first round picks and a third? And or a player, or in a, a player. So, I I mean, I I've probably said it a million times on this podcast, Zach. Why would you ever not get information if you can get information?
2: There's no reason not to. There's absolutely no no reason not to. And and you're right. That's where this probably goes wrong. I can't imagine that any team has got five offers for for their pick in
0: February right now. Especially in a draft that doesn't have a generational guy that's been on the radar for years and years that everyone's just been waiting for. You're talking about Andrew Luck. You're talking about probably Trevor Lawrence falls into that category. Um, You know, uh, Peyton Manning maybe are guys that were just, you know, every team said we want that guy if we could have him. So basically an on story, but let's just quickly live in an alternate universe here. And and again, I hope you're listening and you don't get caught off guard in a few seconds when we start having this conversation. <laughs> we are living in an alternate universe.
1: Before we get there, just you say every team would want that generational guy and that Trevor Lawrence could be one of those generational guys. So wouldn't that every team include the Bengals? Yes. Okay. But I'm That's saying, what makes us interesting.
0: Oh, you're saying maybe, maybe. the Bengals won't want are our, our, our going quarterback next year? Maybe. What if they've decided that they like Lawrence? Interesting. That's an mm-hmm. interesting thought. Okay. Alternate universe. What's the old thing where like they did a jo- like a a show on the radio and then everyone started freaking out?
1: War of the worlds. War
0: of the worlds. Yeah. Let's not have a world war of the worlds scenario here mm-hmm. where everyone thinks this is a real conversation. Although it's not 100% out of the realm of possibility. And the reason I say this is because I thought Vic Fangio made a really interesting comment about Drew Locke the other day. It was – I hated it, honestly. Um, <clears throat> at, uh, asked by me it, how early in the talks – actually, at first I asked Vic Fangio, did you know about Pat Shermer's feelings on Drew Locke before you called him to be the offensive coordinator? And he said,
2: before I made the call?
0: No, not before. Quickly shut it down. Luckily, I was prepared with a backup question because I didn't expect that. So then I said, okay, how quickly in the conversations did it come up?
2: It came up in our conversation, but again, it wasn't going to be a deciding factor for me. Maybe it would have been for him, but it wasn't for me. I've ended up coaching several players that maybe I didn't have a great grade on coming out of the draft. And then you get around him and... Man, this guy is better than I thought. I was wrong. I don't think that wasn't a big deal for me. Might have been for Pat, but Pat did
0: like him. Okay, so before we press the panic button, I do think it's important to highlight the part on that quote in which he talks about a positive thing. Didn't like a guy in the draft, got around him, really liked him. So we can kind of brush this off if we wanted and say he's saying, well, when Pat Shermer gets around Drew Locke, he's going to like him. But I really it, – it does not scream build the franchise around Drew Locke that the coach wanted to hire a guy even if he called Pat Shermer and Shermer said, Locke, dude, uh, I, I did not like him coming out of the draft. And personally, I don't think he fits my offense. And then Vic would have just been like, that's cool, man. Come on down. One, I don't necessarily believe that. Two, I don't think that's a good message.
2: Yeah, the first thing that you said to me, Ryan, after this, after the press conference of not just Vic but also meeting Pat Shermer, was, oh, boy, I did not like what I heard. And I, I didn't take that uh, away from the first time. So I thought about it a lot this weekend, and that's the one part that I, that I can't get, get around. You know, it, again, if you're hiring – an offensive coordinator for Patrick Mahomes, for any of the great cor- for Russell Wilson, uh, you're probably getting a guy that really likes him, right? That's it, it, number, and that's, that, right? That is
0: number one on your
2: list. Yes, that's the first question you ask. Yes. So this is your guy, right? Or it doesn't even—it's—it's it's so implied that he's their guy, and uh, to me, it does put a little pause. And I, because you do build franchises. You do build offenses around these type of players, and Vic admitted that that wasn't part of his decision-making when bringing in the offensive coordinator. That wasn't the mindset he had. How is that possible? There's only one answer, right? Is they're not absolutely convinced. Is they think that the system and having the right coaches in place is more important than the quarterback that they have right now? Well, then you're back in
1: the same vortex you've been in, go, you know, going system, 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 scheme, 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 right? instead of saying, okay, we have a player who has some talent, let's build what we do around him.
0: I, I'm I don't just, think yeah, that makes any sense. I, I'm thrown off by this because it makes no sense to me. Uh, because I think the first, like I said, the, the number one most important thing is, hey, what would you do with Drew Locke? Not like, I like you as a coach, I like what you've done, come on in, even if you don't like our quarterback. That just that just doesn't make sense to me. So, I don't know. And the other thing is Vic Fangio did not have to offer up this information. We are already living in the dream world where Pat Schirmer loves Drew Locke. So, all he had to say, he could have said, yeah, it came up early in our conversations. He said, I love him, and we... Went straight forward from there. Yeah,
2: he could have even said, that's not something I needed to ask. I knew that he, he liked him and you guys just talked to him for 15 minutes and you know that he likes him. I
1: think maybe Vic Fangio is, in this case, it's something that he didn't necessarily think about before he said it. Think about the implications of it.
0: He was more thinking about like propping up Pat Shermer. Yes. Like, oh, I love this guy so much, I don't care what he thought.
1: Exactly. And I think, That's what he was trying to say that, you know, it's not about, in his mind, it's not about whether you liked Drew Locke or not, that this was the best offensive coordinator available for what I was looking for.
2: Here's my issue with that is if it was a one-time thing with the organization of kind of passing on Drew Locke, it's like, oh, oh, or or not lifting Drew Locke up, it's like, okay, just a, a slip of the tongue. But it's just been time in time again. I mean, uh, John Elway couldn't have been more complimentary of Drew Locke the moment they drafted him that night saying he's, you know, the, the Brett Favre, of Aaron Rodgers. He just needs some time, but he's the future. That was like, all right, but he also this is s- great. They're set behind him. But, but they also
1: said the night before that they're going into the second round that there weren't any players left that they had first round grades on.
2: Yeah, well, that's that's true.
1: Although but I then think he that later was a, said,
0: "Like gotcha." Yeah. Or something.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, that that was a misdirection. So you can't believe anything okay. he said.
2: But then, what's happened in the months since is every single time anyone in the organization has an opportunity to lift Drew up in the easiest way, in the way that makes sense, they just say, "No, not really. We're gonna pass on that." I think
1: they're trying to underpromise and overdeliver. I certainly hope For the hope second so. time. In this podcast, I say that, but it's just something that kind of hits me. You get into trouble when the expectations are higher than reality turns out to be. So what if they've decided, okay, intentionally, we're going to downplay. We're going to keep the pressure off or, and keep the expectations at a reasonable level because those expectations outside the building, regardless of what they do, they're going to explode anyway, but we're not going to do anything to help that explosion. We're going to take the safe route.
0: We're going to take the under-promise route. It's, it's, a, it's a weird strategy. It is possible. So, so we haven't gotten to the alternate scenario yet, but we didn't like what they said about Drew Locke on the day after the season. I didn't like what Vic Fangio said at the next time we've had an opportunity to to talk to him. Um, Vic Fangio didn't care what Pat Schirmer thought of Drew Locke. And let's throw in one more thing into the mix. The Broncos rumored, I'm putting that in air quotes, to be exploring options for the number one overall pick. Is there an alternate scenario where the Broncos aren't sold and they're saying, we got to get Joe Burrow? Yeah. Is that, is that, is, does that, exist in the realm of possibility. Yes,
2: because of one thing you said. Is there a chance the Broncos aren't sold on Drew Locke? I think it's very clear now that there's a chance of that. I wouldn't put my money on that at all. I I think that they're enough on the sold scale, but from everything... I know. I don't think they're 100% sold. And, Ryan, what, what if that is the case? The Broncos did some digging over the past couple weeks, and the Bengals want four first-round picks, and John always says, okay, good, good luck with that. And then in two months, it is, okay, you know, uh, two firsts and a second. Two firsts and two seconds. I think it'll probably be a little higher than that, but what if it is that? And they love Joe Burrow. That, that's John Elway's guy where he uh, uh, the night they draft him, can say, this is our starter day one. I love this guy. What if that's the case? And I, I, I think it's a slim possibility. I don't think this is what happens at all. But everything that we've been told, I just can't say the Broncos are 100% sold.
1: Well, the other thing is, I think he they're sold on him being the starter in 2020. I do think, though, that if you're going back through some of the things that Vic Fangio has said, you come back to the false positive comment and wondering if what they saw in the final five weeks of the season was a false positive, in part because Rich Gangarello was really holding Drew Locke back. And I think that is one reason why you have people, including I would surmise Vic Fangio, who wanted the reins taken off Drew Locke in in those games other than in that Houston game to start finding out just what he could do because if you have safe game plans that don't test the young quarterback, you have a better chance of having that false positive.
0: Right. He was saying, like, don't give me the Nick Mullins game plan. I don't want to see it. I know that he can do that. Right.
1: Don't protect him. We need to learn everything about, that we can about him, good and bad.
0: Okay. We see if he can handle it. So, I honestly wish I could say there's no way this is possible. But there's, that would be disingenuous on my part. But here's what I will do. I will do my best to shut down the hypothetical scenario that I just created. I spoke with a source recently who told me a couple, a, a, lot, a, few, a lot of things. But two things that I think if you connect the dots here, it will calm you down on this situation. First, I was told that one of John Elway's issues, so actually I'll, I'll start this way. First, I was told that the firing of Rich Gangarello and subsequent hiring of Pat Shermer was a John Elway-driven move. Two, I was told that one of the issues that John Elway had with Rich Gangarello was that he was not as high on Drew Locke as John was, going all the way back to the draft process. If you connect these two dots, then that would lead you to believe John Elway is sold on Drew Locke. They're more likely doing what Mace is talking about in terms of under-promise, over deliver and everything's okay, and they might send some smoke screens here and there to make people think we're not totally sold on Drew Locke. But within the building, people know that Drew Locke is John Elway's guy.
1: Well, um, you know, on, on sources, I've heard it kicked around that in camp that Rich Gangarello thought Brett Rippon was a better quarterback than Drew Locke.
2: Which would just be even more extreme then honestly what you're saying right and just go even further down that path
1: maybe that it, maybe it's just that Skangarello saw it one way and the bulk of the organization saw it differently because everything i've heard as well is that even though there's the under promise over deliver thing that Vic Fangio is very high on Drew Locke, so as John Elway is
0: i will say this of Scangarello he certainly came around on lock um he was as i was as it was described to me blown away by the improvements that Drew made while he was on IR. and The
1: VR thing.
0: Right. Yes. And Who so <laughs> he came – the, the way it was described to me is the offensive staff went out there on that first day of practice with Drew Locke and were just like, what the hell happened? How, where did this guy
1: come Be- from? Because that really helps. The other thing to consider just in all this is remember Rish Rebel talking about the time it took for a quarterback to be ready to play and how playing in that first year really wasn't a good idea. And then you hear Pat Shermer last week talking about a key when you've got a a bunch of young players on offense is getting them ready to play quickly. So you have Scangarello who's trying to kind of slow build this, and you have Pat Shermer who takes the philosophy of, oh, whether they're quarterback or – running back or an offensive lineman if they're young and we have an investment in them we've got to get them on the field right away start gaining from their skills learn what they have learn whether they can produce so to me
0: nine, i'm 90 percent confident that all of these dots don't connect to a larger thing where the broncos are are the opposite on drew as us like somehow they Dove into the film deeper and thought it was all a false positive, and they're trying to get out of this. Ninety uh, percent of me tells me no chance, but I I would be lying to say there isn't ten percent of me that thinks like man maybe maybe we're just off base here.
2: So what happens for you to either go to a hundred percent or fall back from that ninety percent? Is it something said at the combine? What what needs to be said or happen? in the next month or two months, or does it take until after the first after pick the, of the draft? And, and it, then you say, okay, there. Well, not even it.
0: the first pick. The first round pick of the Broncos in the first round of the draft is, is when I'll finally sit back and say like, okay, whew. just make sure it's well, not
2: Jake from at 15. or no. something <laughs> crazy. I would even
0: say
1: this. I think if, they, If you get to pick six, pick seven, and they have not traded up for Justin Herbert, maybe that's when you will 100% oh know.
2: Yeah, wait till Justin Herbert's off the board. I think that's probably a, a, a good place to But I don't start. expect
1: this to be the case at all. I mean, we're having fun discussing this, but let me just make this clear. Drew Locke's going to be the starting quarterback in 2020.
2: I believe so, too, and, and I'm probably 96% there right now.
0: I think I—, uh, I... I, I don't want to say the highest, but I'm so high on Drew Locke that I I'm only 90% there because I'm like You're guarding your heart. <laughs> I, I'm just like wh- like am I crazy here? Right. You know?
1: Um you know what's a, a interesting thing though? Uh, ESPN has this has this feature on their site right now where you can scroll through various free agent players, and then it does, like, a chain reaction series of deals. What? So, like, so you can scroll through and see, okay, well, here's a picture. Here's Chris Harris Jr., and it's a nightmare thing because you look at Chris Harris Jr., and, you can, and they have the, a drawing that shows him in a Texans uniform or a Jets uniform or a Chiefs uniform. But one thing that came up as I'm scrolling through this is they did a chain reaction, kind of a domino effect thing, of what happened if Phillip Rivers signed with the Panthers. I don't think he will, but that's interesting. He goes back to the state in which he played his college football because, of course, he starred at North Carolina State. And the dominoes that fall, the next one is Marcus Mariota signing with the Chargers. Then the third domino they suggest here, Carolina trades Cam Newton to the Broncos for a a third-round pick. Now, I don't know if this thing would have been in play if the changes on the coaching staff had not resulted in Mike Shula being on the Denver Broncos staff. And, of course, Mike Shula and Cam Newton have a very strong relationship, having worked together for seven
0: seasons. Here's That's a, an interesting one. I hope the Broncos aren't <laughs> even considering that. And I think Mike Shula is very low on the list of shot callers. Um, but what about this? And, again connecting non-existent dots here but it's a it's not out of the realm of possibility you remember how we talked about how um you bring in every guy you can in the draft process just to learn a little bit about them in case you might have to face them yep and i think even going back to the coaching search in which dave tobe was a part of it we said also you like to get a little intel on your uh on your opponents and so the broncos learned a little bit about the chiefs when they talked to dave tobe what if Because you talk about these things in in job interviews. When the Broncos interviewed Zach Taylor last season, what if Zach Taylor said, I absolutely adore Drew Locke. I want to draft this guy and build my offense around him. (laughs) And so the Broncos have the intel that Zach Taylor loves Drew Locke and that a package, including Drew Locke, could help them get to the number one overall pick. (laughs) Fascinating. Fascinating alternate universe that we're just connecting dots because it's the offseason and we can do that. Is or, it an alternate or universe? We're building dots. <laughs> I mean, it seems like it could make sense.
2: Yeah. Boy, that would be, that would be something.
0: Here's the thing, though. What is Drew Locke worth right now? I mean, we're talking about a young quarterback who's 4-1 and one as a starter with a rocket arm, great feet, great leadership. I mean, he's at least worth one first-round yeah, pick. that's things-
1: what he is worth right now is a one.
2: And what, what what one? Because amid, you know the thirtieth is different than a
1: mid round one pick. So, so fifteen. Literally, he's worth, worth about anywhere from fourteen to eighteen.
0: So two fit, two number fifteen overall picks probably gets you pretty close to number one. overall. I was going to say you trade Drew Locke for the fourteenth pick. I, I don't know who's there right
2: now. Then you trade Tampa Bay. Okay, sure. Then you trade. Who 15. might be trading up themselves?
0: Well, for no, a young you would be. Quarterback. Drew Locke would be going into this. But if, if you had 14 and 15, you could probably trade those to get really close to number one.
2: 14, 15,
0: and what about just to make it sweet and you throw next year's first in? Well, then you're that's only a out, lot. Then you're only out one first-round pick yeah, in terms of the future. That's true. I mean, I think you wouldn't even need to go that far. But again, the, in my opinion, the Broncos would be insane to take a proven commodity who is all those things that we just mentioned is why he's worth the number 15 overall pick or better right now. Unless they
1: don't think he's a
2: proven commodity based on five games.
1: And
0: that's – Drew Locke's my
2: guy. I'm not doing anything to move on from him. He's my starting quarterback. But I would have said that as well if I was the organization. I would have made it very clear at this point. So no one out there is having this conversation. But if he's not, then I'm okay with the Broncos going out and getting that guy. But, but just, they're wrong. I, I would think so. I would think so. But they need to be convinced, and if they have an opportunity to do that, then I would understand. Well, I'll,
1: the, the I'll question also remains, though: which one is who do you think? Which one is better in four years? What if they think that in four years Joe Burrow is better?
0: Yeah, and and that's what I'm that's, saying. Go get yeah. their guy. It's possible, and if Zach Taylor believes in four years Drew Locke is better, well, now you really have something cooking. Yep. I'll say this: I would hate it. From a football perspect, from a, a analyst's perspective, I would love it for the chaos because the chaos would be just absurd. The I would feel- trade up to the number one. I mean, that is you gotta you gotta really have some some stuff between the legs to uh, to make that type of. Move. I think
1: John
2: Elway would be confident in himself to do
1: that. You know what? I often say, buy the retired player players jersey whenever possible. But I would feel this bad for all medicine. those people who bought Drew Locke jerseys <laughs> if they did this. I would have genuine empathy for every one of them. Man. Could you imagine? Hey, Good. the
0: Broncos
2: typically do a great job of keeping themselves in the news.
0: Uh, they I mean, certainly I if, do. I like Burrow.
2: I like Burrow a lot.
1: I think everyone I, here likes Burrow a lot. Yeah. I'm a
0: little bit, I think, uh, more dampened in my excitement oh. for him. But, I mean, it's not. it's not as if. I don't think he's going to be a good player.
1: But there's a question I have been mean to ask you. It's been on my mind, thinking about things you've said over the last few months.
0: Ask it to me after we talk about quickly Breckenridge Brewery. <laughs> Did you guys know that they just started carrying the brand new Mile High City Copper Lager at Costco? You can get you know a forty-pound bag of popcorn and then a fifteen-pack. Uh, Of Mile High City Copper Lagers. I
1: did because I was just down at Costco and I thought I can get this Copper Lager, this Mile High City Copper Lager and get some pretzels on the side, beer and pretzels. I'm set in terms of game time snack and beverage for about a month because of what I can buy at Costco.
0: And if you want to live in a world where the Broncos might be trading for the number one overall pick, make sure you head over to the Green Solution. They've got uh, 18 locations in the metro area. And if you use the code DNVR20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase And really, you know, just start imagining crazy draft scenarios.
2: Uh, So you're saying we visited the green solution recently. We
0: did. We did. And maybe the Broncos think that Joe Burrow is the solution to all their problems. And we'll make a lot of green. Right. (laughs) It's a stretch, but we'll take it. (laughs) All right, let's get into the uh, questions. Well, i got to ask you that question first. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry, am I ha- that's how you, fast I'm moving today. You
1: spoke of Joe Burrow often in the regular season, but said that you would not want to see him in Denver because of the fidelity to what the scheme was at the time.
0: Ah, very true. Now
1: that you have someone who is in the West Coast nomenclature, but is much less scheme-dependent, much more flexible as the offensive coordinator, would you feel that Joe
0: Burrow could be maximized if he were working under Pat Shermer? It's a great question. And yes, a hundred percent. But I also believe that Drew Locke could be maximized. And I, with the game, with the five games in hand, I'm higher on Drew Locke than I am on Joe Burrow, but it's, it's a thin margin and the main reason I feel that way is because Joe Burrow only has one year of immense success to show for, um, and and you could have made the same argument about Drew Locke way back when, but now Drew Locke has shown it at the NFL level. Um, he has a stronger arm. Uh, I I really love the way he carries himself. I love the way he leads. So, um, but, but to answer your question, yes, I wouldn't. I I would have been. Against literally against bringing in Joe Burrow with Rich Gangarello as the uh, offensive coordinator, I am I am certainly not that strong on it. And to be to be completely honest, if uh, Drew Locke hadn't played and we hadn't seen him in those five games, mm-hmm. and we were having this conversation, I would be saying the Broncos. I would probably be saying the Broncos should be trading up to number one to bring in Joe Burrow. Because we'd be talking about how,
1: oh, he didn't get on the field and something must have been wrong if he didn't get on the field right. at some And that point season. In the season. They,
0: yeah, he must have been so far behind. So, um, again, alternate universes here. But, yeah, Joe Burrow is a, a million percent more on the board now than he was before to me. Well,
2: and speaking of Joe Burrow, the first comment from our great listeners coming in from Burley Joe. He says, talking about a little bit of a conversation we had about receiving backs, he says – Can Phillip Lindsey be this catch, pass catching back that Pat Shermer said was needed in his offense? Of course, last week, Pat Shermer said uh, running back needs to be able to do three things run the ball, pass block, and catch the ball out of the backfield. We've detailed uh, how Philip Lindsay struggled catching the ball out of the backfield last year. Can he be that guy out of the backfield? And, of course, he had Sa- Pat Shermer had Saquon last year in the past two years, and he was just a beast with this.
0: I'll say this. Philip Lindsay as a junior at CU was a massive part of the passing game. I'm And as a senior, too. But as a junior, much more. I mean, one of their go-to plays was just swinging it out to Phil uh, when they got the uh, the corners and the defensive backs off the line with the receivers. So he was very effective then. He had no issues with the drops. Sometimes, you know, you just, anyone who's played golf knows sometimes you get hit with the shanks, and I think he just got kind of got a case of the drops so last I year.
2: A, I have a quick question for you, though. There is one thing that's changed since then, and he had surgery uh, on his wrist. It clearly didn't affect him carrying the ball, holding onto it, and that, but Do you think that could be something where it's not just the shanks and it wasn't just mental?
0: That certainly could affect him. Not, I think, from a tactical standpoint of, like, it's harder to catch the ball, but it might make you short arm because you're worried about someone coming in and your hand being exposed to a hit. You know what I mean? Um, That's certainly – I hadn't thought of that. But I think, yeah, if if you're worried about the pain that occurs when you get hit in that arm – you're definitely thinking a little bit more when you're trying to look at the ball and stick your hands out knowing that defenders are coming at you.
1: And don't forget, with any injury, sometimes it's a gear after the recovery before you're back to 100%, before you really trust it. And the other thing, just the overall ineffectiveness of the offense and the scheme, obviously it didn't impact the drop rate. The drop rate is on him. He has to improve that. But certainly, I think he was in less advantageous situations in space, and that's why he averaged a full yard plus fewer per reception than he did in 2018. Now, that said, in 2018, he had 6.9 yards per catch. In Pat Shermer's offense, I'd like to see him get that up to 7.5.
2: To me, I'm not crazy worried about this because I think they need another running back to to compliment Phil uh, regardless, and that guy clearly needs to be able to catch the ball.
0: Next one here is from Cleavers83. I've never chimed in on the straw debate, but now that it got brought, brought back up, here's my take. Did you guys talk about this on Friday? Uh, we... <laughs> Mace, do you remember who it was? Um, it was
1: one of our friends who was a teacher. Yes. He brought it up to his class. Mm. He took a poll of 127 and like of, his, of his
2: students. And uh, 75 of them said it had one, one hole. hole.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> it's a fun discussion. Anyways, he says, a straw has no holes, and if it did, it would be faulty. It's like a pipe or a tube. A pipe has two openings on both sides. Same as a straw, but it has no holes. No Broncos talk today, but welcome, Pat Shermer. Nice to see he's a real person.
2: Uh, thanks. I'm happy to be in Denver.
0: <laughs> From Orange Crush, hey, guys, two questions. What are your thoughts on Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Uh, I love the look of him. Oh, just lost my spot. Uh, he's built like a fire hydrant and would be great in all three aspects of the running game in which Pat Shermer spoke about. Uh, would be a great pick in round three. No way he falls that far in my opinion.
1: Maybe just it's the, the premium or the lack thereof on running backs. When do the running backs start falling uh, off off the league? Uh, off the board, pardon me. Um, the latest
0: I could see the, the running back train starting is at the top of the second round. And even if that happens, I still believe Clyde goes in the second
2: round. Yeah, I think that's the second round is going to be a run on running backs because I think people are going to say, oh, we can't use the first round on a running back. And then the second round comes around and they're going to go off the board. I think
1: there's a definite gap between Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, though. I mean, he's uh, I think you have those two backs that are, to me, above the pack and there's a significant separation between those two and the next tier, and Edwards-Hilaire is a part of that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, J.K. Dobbins is Josh Jacobs 2.0, so I think think he's a first-round pick. Interesting.
1: Also, any chance on A.J. Boye? I know the Jags are in all sorts of trouble with the cap, and they're likely to release a few players. Do you think he would be a decent pickup?
2: Oh, boy. I don't think... Oh, Boye? Oh, (laughs) Boye. I don't think they'd let him go. You never know if they
1: did let him go absolutely you give a call because the other thing is you let him they let him go they're cutting him so you can get a quality cornerback and you're not signing a guy that's into the compensatory formula as well
2: yeah it's true
1: the broncos have remember they've done this over the years that they've looked they've taken long looks at guys who were simply cut because they didn't factor into the comp formula. That's one reason why they brought in DeMarcus Ware. Obviously, still a great pass rusher, but didn't affect their quest for comp picks.
2: Right. R.D. Dollywall coming in, and I just love that R.D. Dollywall helps me out every time and leaves a pronunciation guide every comment. He says, one, favorite
0: former Broncos show host, i.e. Shannon Sharp versus Tom Jackson. Well, it's definitely not Shannon Sharp. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as much as we love Shannon, he's uh, he's gone down a dark path in the media world. Isn't
1: Tom Jackson kind of like the OG, of Broncos-turned-media personalities.
0: And he's great. Yeah. That's the thing. He,
1: he is literally a Hall of Famer as a broadcaster because, of course, they give out the awards every year for someone in print and someone in broadcasting, and he's won that as a broadcaster. That's how, that's how good he was. And with all respect to all the highlight shows on right now, when they brought Tom Jackson and Chris Berman back on ESPN Plus this year, I watch that show every week.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone can really compete with him. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who's in the sphere other you'd, than like you'd have to radio to show radio. hosts. You know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you guys don't want to go with Tom He's, you know does a couple months at a time. Hey, it's <laughs> short and sweet. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Two favorite.
0: I, like, in, in all seriousness, I think Tom Nalen's really good at it. Oh, Tom Nalen's
2: great at it. But his his runs just don't last very long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by his own choice. Two favorite Indian food: butter chicken, naan, etc. Wow. Well, um, I, I don't know. I have to say, it's pro- mine is probably
1: a kind of a bastardization of Indian food that is popular in England. It'd be the uh, uh, chicken Balti pie. Okay. Uh,
0: I wish I. So there is an Indian food buffet sort of near our office, and it is so good but i don't even know what i'm getting i just get everything and just stuff it in my face i have recently fell in love with curry oh yeah well yeah but that that could be indian curry but there's also thai curries okay Mm -hmm. so just depends on what kind of curry you're having the only problem i have
1: with indian food and going to a restaurant is i find that it's kind of it ends up kind of sticking to you a little bit as far as like the smell
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as like a Chinese restaurant or even like Subway sticks to you when you leave. I I don't sense that with Subway in the same way that... The thing is, uh, Subway smells amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I love the smell of freshly cooked bread. Three
2: for Pat Andrew. Four, I am from California and have to put up with Quest for Six from the 49ers fans. Can you guys come up with something for Bronco's Journey for the fourth ring? I got it. Quest for four.
0: <laughs> about fight for four.
1: Yeah, uh, fighting for four, something the, like that.
0: The flight, for f- flight for four?
2: Taking flight with Drew Locke. Maybe. Brett Rippin four. We could do something with his name. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says the best I can do is quest for quattro. Yeah, fight for four <laughs> is better than that. <laughs> that sounds like a band. Five, who is the most famous celebrity that is a Bronco that you know? I would pick Tim Allen. He was a Lions fan on Home Improvement, but a Broncos fan in real life. So Broncos fan. I think we talked about this last week, didn't we? Yeah, didn't. uh,
1: I I tended to fault to Trey Parker and Matt Stone of South Park fame and uh, Book of Mormon fame, too.
0: And basketball fame, which was snubbed from our movie bracket. And
1: that's shameful.
0: Yeah, I think it was just we're talking about basketball movies, football movies, hockey movies, uh, boxing movies, and we just forgot the hybrid.
1: Yeah. We got hybrid <laughs> movies. The, the one that skewed all of them. I mean that the the thing about basketball is it was it's basically a a parody of the entire sports world at that time. Like in the opening narration when they talk about how fans are disaffected by teams moving and they tell, you know you have they say the, the Jazz moved to, New or- to, to Utah where there is no music. The <laughs> Lakers moved to Los Angeles where there are no lakes.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, God, I love baseball. I want to watch that again soon. Sadly snubbed. But I don't think it would have made it to the finals, which are Miracle versus Remember the Titans. I watched both of them yesterday. I cried both times. <laughs> um, I did come to the conclusion, though, that Remember the Titans should win this. See, yes. uh,
1: miracle is the choice.
0: Me, it's Remember the Titans. Yeah.
1: I think the problem I have with Remember the Titans is I was familiar with the story of T.C. Williams, and I felt like before I saw the film, and I felt like they took too many dramatic liberties with it.
3: Hmm.
0: And I wasn't familiar with the story before. Yeah. It's just, it's a better movie. It just is. Sorry, (laughs) (laughs) miss. We're going to do a whole podcast on this, though, Mm -hmm. later today, so make sure you tune into that. Although
1: I was heartened to see Happy Gilmore make such a strong run.
0: Yes. Happy Gilmore, the probably the, uh, as determined by this bracket, the best comedy sports movie. Yeah. That that was no surprise to me. I,
1: I would say major league is a better comedy movie, but it felt kind of into the baseball category. Yeah. But happy Gilmore. I'm glad it had a long run in part because I know some will talk about it being a silly movie, but there is a level of absurdist humor in there that Adam Sandler has never managed to achieve in any film of his since then.
0: Um, it's interesting, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but it is interesting how boxing and golf, not that big in the you know, just general sports sphere, um, the, tons of great movies from both sports. I think
2: personally, I think it's because the closer you are to the sports in a movie and the more it's surrounded on sports itself, the The worse it is the harder it is because if you want to watch sports well I'd rather watch a basketball game
0: than a movie around basketball. There is a stupid scene in Remember the Titans where they're just hitting guys, and like every time they like are doing backflips. So I'm like, what? What was the point? Why was this necessary? Right. Like it's like a montage, and like seven straight hits, the guy like loses the ball and like flips backwards. <laughs> I'm like, this is so. It doesn't. Dumb. That doesn't happen. Right. And it's just so <laughs> unnecessary. Like you can have big hits without the person with the ball needing to be a rag doll. Right. Well, yep. th-
1: I think there's another reason why in. In film, it is much easier to tell a story and drive a narrative about one person and one antagonist than an entire team. It's tough to pull off mm. that ensemble. I
0: thought that was the problem with Miracle is it was all really about the team, right. which makes sense in sports, but I didn't think there was that much character development in the movie other than the coach.
1: And that's the thing. Like, to me, the, the thrust of Miracle was always her Brooks. Yeah. And
0: that's and
1: that's when it works best is when it's about the demons that he's dealing with and how he's guiding the team like it it when Herb Brooks is talking with Jim Craig about the 300 page psychological exam that he gives. It's not that interesting because of Jim Craig. It's interesting because of of Herb Brooks and him and him responding to Jim Craig and saying, That's all right, you just took the test anyway. Yeah. And then later coming back to that and him t- and Jim Craig saying, Oh, is it because I wouldn't take the test? And he says, No, I want the guy who wouldn't take that test. Mm. Right. And that's when that's when the movie works. Yeah. The the thing that um with Miracle, the only thing that you can say as far as the antagonist, the antagonist, obviously, it's the Soviets.
0: Right, as a whole.
1: But it's there's not kind of the one, you know, he'll make reference to Viktor Tikhanov, he'll make reference to Boris Mikhailov looking like a Stan Laurel, but it's not that kind of antagonist. Whereas, let's say, here's a, a good golf movie, Tin Cup, okay? Uh-huh. You have Kevin Costner dealing with his own inner demons or as... As Rene Russo, the cy- the psychologist in the movie, says, "Inner crapola." You have, you know, the, the caddy, Cheech Marin, who's you know kind of trying to advise him, but then you have a great antagonist played by Don Johnson. Totally, yep. And be- it, the film works because you have all these elements together, but ultimately, this is an in- it's an individual thing, and it's a lot easier to grasp cinematically and pull off than it is with an entire
2: team. Six boxes or briefs? He says I wear boxers. Boxer briefs. Yeah, briefs. Well, boxer briefs. Yeah, well, that's that's what I would go <laughs> with then too.
1: <laughs> briefs. Right. Seven
2: for John. Eight. Do you recommend taking naps? No. Highly,
1: highly recommend taking naps.
0: I've removed naps from my life. Twenty years ago, or what? No, like uh, after college. After
1: college, I th- I think the Spanish concept of the siesta is brilliant. The thing I I always find that I am at my freshest after a nap, and one thing I've learned is that a 20-minute nap, I can make up that productivity in 40 minutes because if I'm tired of taking a nap, I'm three times as productive when – I wake up. I think Fair.
0: if you have the discipline to take a 20-minute nap, it can work. I just don't. No, right. If I put my head down, I'm going to sleep. Right. And, uh, then- and I've replaced naps with coffee. <laughs> he says nine. <laughs> Here's hoping for our ninth Super Bowl
2: berth next year. Wait, what happened to just Quest for Quattro? Yeah. The Quest for Quattro <laughs> is on. <laughs> Next one coming in from World of Sucks says, Growing up, my friends would complain about their grandpas and their oldies' references and back in the day comments. I never really had a grandpa in my life, so I never did relate to that. But listening to Mace talk about potential Super Bowl bands and TV show references, I finally get it. Mace, thank you for being my adoptive podcast grandpa, so I can finally relate. This is a compliment, uh, Mace. Oh, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> also, I definitely had a blast listening to y'all try to pronounce. Guanabana. It's pronounced Juanabana. Juan, uh, That's a fun one to say. It should roll right off the tongue. I've had Guanabana juice in South America as well and can agree that it makes a great fruit juice.
0: I can't remember what it's called, but it sounds like this drink I had in the Dominican Republic, which was very dangerous.
2: Oh, um, hmm. what is it? What's the name? I don't know. It's, uh, I'll find it. I'll say doesn't it, it kind of sound like it does. It does, yes, it's something like that. Oh man, I drank
0: so much of that. There's a hangover waiting to That's happen.
2: That's the one with uh, like trees in it, right? It's like, yeah, yep. it's got
0: like bark and then like yep. red wine and honey and, and rum. rum. Yep,
2: <laughs>
0: oh god, are you, are you looking it up, Mace? Is it wana I'm mama? I'm trying to, yes. Oh, it's mama wana,
2: mama wana. There it is. <laughs> oh my god,
0: the funny thing about that is like. You can take shots of it, so that's fun. Yep. Because you can have, like, 20 of them, <laughs> or so you think, until the next morning. Because it tastes like wine. Right. It's like honey wine. Yeah. But and Here
1: I was thinking that there were other things that were dangerous in the Dominican Republic, not the <laughs> oh, bad ones. is
0: quite dangerous. <laughs> All right.
1: Count Locula, my favorite fat guy touchdown happens to be a Bronco. He rumbled, which is the technical term for a fat guy TD, 62 yards after picking off the legendary Todd Collins. Any of you gents remember this gem? Love the count. Of well, course,
0: Mason, or uh, Zach and I remember. <laughs> but, Mace, why don't you just tell the story? <laughs> well, no, you guys. Just, no,
1: you, you no, got no, it. We, okay. We're, we don't You'll know. You'll probably it. recall it a little better. It's Keith Traylor. Ah,
0: uh, In 1997, the
1: tractor, the tractor against Buffalo. Keith Trailer was a guy who came into the league as a linebacker, and he just blew up over he, the course of his literally.
0: career. He ate... A lot.
1: He, he ate his way onto the defensive line, built a nice little center of gravity with that gut that he had, and was a very effective interior presence uh, for the Broncos and played a long time. I think he played until, like, 07 or 06. Uh, at, yeah, actually, he played until 07 with the Dolphins, looking this up here. He even got another Super Bowl ring with the Patriots. He was well, on their team in 04. Keith trailer, he bounced around. He start. remember, the Broncos drafted him, and then he left, and then he came back, and he was a different kind of player with a different build. But, yeah, Keith uh, Tractor Trailer, and that Buffalo game as well, that was, of course, the one where the Broncos were on very little sleep because they had to take snowmobiles and stuff just to get to the facility, and they were the only plane <laughs> to fly out of DIA on a snowy day. They get to Buffalo at about midnight Eastern time, and – it was made clear to them, no, we're not going to move this game just because you guys got in so late, so they're playing at 1 o'clock Eastern, tired from the day, and managed to pull out an overtime win, in part because of Keith Trailer.
2: Yeah, that's something else.
1: Also, Count Locula, a soft or hard-boiled egg with salt and pepper works for every meal and isn't particular to any single one. Love the count.
0: How many do you have to eat for it to be a meal? It's a snack. It's yeah, an addition. or a meal um it, it's added to a meal it's a part of a meal i thought you were just gonna say because it's an egg nope cross it off hard-boiled egg does create uh it does change things i think so too a hard-boiled egg i would say is more of a lunch i would say it's an item yeah um i wouldn't eat hard-boiled eggs for breakfast but you're on to something here i just what are you gonna eat five hard-boiled eggs yeah i'm thinking what is a quail egg big No, Uh, those are smaller. uh, An ostrich
2: egg? Yeah, a (laughs) a hard-boiled ostrich egg. You open your lunchbox at school and that's all it is. It's just... (laughs) you got to hold it with two
0: hands. uh, (laughs) It's kind of funny. Remember uh, one of our listeners was telling us about those like giant things in china that like you can get like pizza ones and they're like hot pockets oh yep yep he sent me a picture of one yesterday and it honestly looks like an ostrich egg it's just a massive white thing <laughs> i was like i didn't expect them to be that big no i wouldn't have either it's like chipotle burrito size and it wasn't just
2: an egg no it's a hot pocket essentially. wow <laughs> next one coming in from stoy says i have to endorse Tra- taylor swift based on her catchiness the subject of this video i made Borderline, borderline not safe for work language. Should we not read I'm it so then? confused. <laughs> <laughs> I am too, but we'll go on. He says, I think the XFL's punt were... Punt rules that encourage going for it on fourth down will have a positive effect on aggressive decisions in the NFL. It's long been known that the opportunity to possess the ball on offense is more valuable than field position on defense, but risk aversion combined with cultural norms keep coaches conservative. When they see how effective aggressiveness is, at least a couple of NFL coaches will try it, and their success will tip the balance. Looking forward to watching some XFL football this weekend. Viper's going to. Vipe, 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 Real quick.
0: Uh, I think that was like haters going to hate, 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 hate. The Vipers did bite, not in a good way. I'll say this. uh, Mm. The reason we were confused is for some reason in our comment section, links show up white. Oh, yeah. So you got to tell us if there's a link in there. (laughs) He he left us a link to his video. Oh, yes. Nice. Mark, we'll
2: look at that.
1: One thing about the touchback rules in the XFL, it actually came up on a punt by former Bronco Marquette King, who, by the way, I guess is one by Marquette King. Because over and over on the broadcast yesterday, they were saying Marquette
0: came. Uh, Do you think that was just the
2: XFL level broadcast?
0: I, I don't
1: know. I, well, no. I mean, they've if got just,
0: some. Let's just tweet at him. He always responds. They had
1: <laughs> Pat McAfee work in the game. By the way, Pat McAfee. I'm here for Pat McAfee on Monday Night Football. He oh, is yeah. the
0: football version of Bill Walton.
1: Yeah. Mm. I'm here for a Peyton Manning, Pat McAfee booth. Oh my god! No play-by-play Love person. It. Love it. So I can see what's going on epic. without. <laughs> I can see what's going on without play-by-play person telling me.
0: I, I get, just, you. They would put a play-by-play. It would have to I, be Sean McDonough and Peyton Manning and Pat McAfee. Is Pat McAfee in the in, in the booger cart? Uh, no, there. He's in the
1: booth, or or maybe he's on the field. Like in the in the XFL, he's actually roving around the sideline. So, if you did that, you'd have him roving around, but you'd still have the traditional sideline reporter, Lisa Salters, but you'd have him just going into the bench area doing whatever. But on the touchback thing, if you have a punt that goes out of bounds inside the 35 yard line or into the end zone, it is called a, it, the ball is brought out to the 35. So, what they call a, quote, major touchback, unquote on a punt means it's not at the 20s at the 35 so yesterday marquette or marquette king has a perfect punt blasts it but it ends up dying at the one yard line it's like a 60 some yard punt it's abs- it's brilliant and his teammate, coming down in coverage, knocks the ball into the end zone, oh my. costing them 34 yards of field position. Oh, my god! King, ha- I mean, this is as good a punt as you can possibly have, and they blew it for poor Marquette King. Yeah, poor Marquette. Marquette. Poor Marquette. <laughs> wow, uh. that's something
2: else. Next one coming from Rob. He says, the topic of rock bands for the halftime show came up in the last pod. I'd love to see Tool. They just showed their staying power by hitting number one on the charts with their newest album, Fear. Uh, what's this word? Inoculum? Inoculum. There we go. Knocking off Taylor Swift. And they won a Grammy this year. It'll never happen because they could only play like two songs during the 30-minute halftime show, but a man can dream, right? You know, the
1: the list of bands and artists who... Aren't good, but managed to win a Grammy is, is long, so I'm not putting that as something on the resume. I, I just don't think that that's again. I think you hit the nail on the head. You can only play like two songs during ah, that. To, I, we I took an informal poll as f- of people, friends, family, as far as halftime acts for next year. Taylor Smith, Taylor Swift was the overwhelming choice. Taylor Smith, Sh- would as she should be
0: too. Yes, as she should be. She's awesome. Bar none. Uh, Broncos only. I've been listening to the pod almost daily, so I decided to become a subscriber. Woo! We got him. Yes, thank you. I couldn't pass up the incentive offer for 50 cents for the first month. I thought, hey, half of a penny? I can't beat that. But then my, uh, when my payment process, it, it changed to fifty point do- five uh, $0.5 for the first month. My entire interp- entertainment budget for the month is blown. I'm confused. <laughs> Not very confused. Um, anyway, the real Broncos question here. Just how good is McManus when his performance in the clutch is factored in? Three huge failures in the clutch immediately come to mind. Our week 16 at Cincinnati of the 2015 season totally shanked a potential winner, but luckily they pulled it out in OT. Last season against Houston, week 8, uh, once again missed a, missed a game winner from 50 yards. And then this season against Minnesota, he had a mid-range attempt that would have easily changed the momentum late, and he shanked that. I feel that there are others it just seems like when you need a guy the most his percentage goes way down. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are that he was perfect in the playoffs on the way to a Super Bowl championship so I'm not really going to knock his clutch factor.
2: So my question to you is how long does that last? You know, how long does he get that benefit of the doubt? Uh,
0: that's a good question. The Broncos also, haven't you know, been in that many haven't been in any important games since then. It's
1: true. Well, <laughs> it's true. This question came up to me after the Vikings game on Twitter and I just found the research I'd done to this point, this was as of November 18th since 2016 and close and late situations, fourth quarter game within one score, or it's a scenario where a a made field goal gets the Broncos back within one score. McManus is 18 of 23, 78.3% including 18 of 20 inside of 50.
0: Yeah, that's that'll do.
2: Yep. 90% in clutch from a reasonable range. Yep. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. NFL.com released their player profiles for this year's draft class, and clearly Lance Zierlein has been watching a ton of Broncos tape because several of his player comps were former and current Broncos players. Tell me what y'all think of some of these comps he made. Andrew Thomas, Juwan James.
1: Mm, I think uh, Thomas uh,
2: has a little bit more power. Yeah. Two, Michael Pittman Jr. and Cortland Sutton. Sutton has more reach. K.J. Hill and Deshaun Hamilton. Hill's a lot more sudden.
1: Yeah, Hill's got an explosion, an explosive gear that Hamilton doesn't
2: have. And I don't think Deshaun ever had that. Uh, Trayvon Diggs, Akeem Talib.
1: Talib's Tlaib. a dog. It, with with Talib, and also he's uh, more athletic coming out. But with, to me, the biggest difference is uh, Talib's kind of elon and attitude and presence.
2: Antoine Winfield Jr. and T.J. Ward. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good comp. I can't argue with that one. There we go. And Jalen Hurts and Tim Tebow.
1: Hurts has a more orthodox throwing style.
0: Jalen, Jalen Hurts is Taysom Hill to me. Right. That's, that's Where do you draft that
2: type of player? It's interesting.
0: Yep. From Jimmy B. Hey, guys, who are your favorite Broncos that you've covered who were cut before the 53-man roster was finalized? It's a tough one.
2: Mine's got to be uh, McLovin, right? Punter last year. <laughs> you, you literally <laughs> never talked
0: to him. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, cut. So they were there for a little bit. They Before were cut. The this one doesn't really count because he made it a whole year, but D'Angelo Henderson. Yep. Loved D'Angelo Henderson.
1: This is old school. I mentioned him last week, maybe not on the pod, but somewhere else. Maybe I did mention it on the pod. Um, Matt McBriar, former uh, – he punted in the league for about 10 years, but he was in the Broncos camp in 2003 competing with Micah Noor. and it was clear he, he was the better punter. He was one of the first of the Australian punters, by the way, not the first, but among them. But the problem was he couldn't kick off, mm. and Jason Eland wasn't kicking off at that point, so he would have to carry three kickers and have a kickoff specialist. So McBryer, his he was traded to Seattle. Seattle cut him, but he eventually – Landed with the Cowboys and stuck and punted there for about eight years and then uh, kicked around the league for a couple years after that. But it was just fun talking to him, fun kind of learning about Australia, getting to know him. And uh, I thought the Broncos made a very short-sighted move,
2: not keeping Matt Matt, Matt, Matt McPriar, and that proved to be the case. On a serious note, I'm going to go with Lowell Latulale.
0: Stop. Oh.
2: <laughs> Two, will the three of you be at the NFL Draft? i got my tickets booked and would love to see you guys there.
0: No, we'll never be at the NFL Draft um, as much as we would like to this year in Vegas uh, because it's not a media event. It's all a fan event. Yep, exactly. There's
1: just not enough to be gained from a, a media perspective covering a team by going to the draft unless they have the number one overall pick because we're sitting back at Dove Valley and they get the player for us anyway. Via yep. conference call, and we talked to John Elway and the coach, which you can't do when you cover the draft.
0: Yep, uh, from Amarite or Amarillo. Facebook just sent me a notification. You have memories with Carl Mecklenburg to look back <laughs> on today. <laughs> That's what's up. So, who has a stronger case for the Hall of Fame, Gratishar or Meck? Gratishar, hands down. I think so too. It's not that
1: Mecklenburg has a bad case, but uh, you know, he had he's harder to quantify because he played all over the front seven. I think Mecklenburg should be in the Hall of Fame, but Gratishar is the guy you're trying We're to get. We're talking first. about who
0: has a better case in that in my mind that means who has a better chance. Right. Okay. It's Gratishar for sure. While I personally prefer Mecklenburg as a player.
1: Yeah, I, I can see that. And I, I think part of it also with Gratishar, he's there is something on his resume. He's got that seventy percent uh to the Pro Bowl, seven out of ten years, uh going to the being a Pro Bowl selection the interesting thing with Mecklenburg is that I know Jeff Legwald, the Hall of Fame presenter from Denver, feels like if he can get Mecklenburg in that room, that he'd be a slam dunk because he feels like he could. there's an ability to sway those on the senior committee. And then what happens in the general committee is those seniors guys have a simple up or down.
2: And it does mm-hmm. seem like Radishar is pretty close. next one from Ubeni Lava sup y'all ESPN used to have this thing called the Dalton scale I don't know if you've heard of it it was basically this idea that Andy Dalton was the exact average quarterback of the league every year every preseason ESPN analyst would measure every other starting quarterback in the league against Dalton with him being at 15 or 16 I always thought this exercise was A hilarious I do too and B very accurate representation of mediocrity I think it's fair to say that Dalton is below average now and we need the new quarterback for averageness who should take Take the reins in your opinion. Carr was what I thought of. Thanks, boys. Perfect. Yep, I think Derek Carr is the guy. And we move
0: on. I still think it's Andy Dalton.
2: Okay. Mm, Okay.
0: Next one from Dreadhead Broncos fan. Guys, give me Drake on the bed of who's playing at the halftime show all day. He appeases to the youngins, and there are songs by him that are pop that some of the old people would like or don't mind. But that... But that's me putting my hope into the NFL that they're finally not scared of hip-hop and its artists. I'd love to see more rappers in the halftime show, and if there's any rapper that would be sought after to do it, it'd be Drake. If there's any chance that a rap artist is headlining the Super Bowl, who do you wonderful people think it would be? If we're calling Drake a rap artist, it would be him, although I think he's just a pop artist.
2: So then he would fit even more. Yes. He's a pop artist who can rap. When the Super Bowl's in Toronto?
1: I hope not. They have to build a new stadium first. <laughs> and I think he's crossed that terminus from being just hip-hop to being truly popular. And frankly, for the Super Bowl halftime show, you are talking about someone who's crossed over and has a broader audience and it can be considered pop just because they've hit that threshold of wide acceptance. So Drake will qualify.
0: He goes on and says, Peace and much love to you all. Go Broncos, go D- DNVR, and Mamba for life. Uh, not only being a Broncos fan, I'm also a Lakers fan, and these last couple weeks have been extremely difficult. Kobe was not only my favorite athlete in all of sports, the man was the whole reason why I'm a Lakers fan. When I found out about his death, I cried. Just like all of Laker Nation, I took it hard. It was like losing a member of the family. It was totally heartwarming, and I love the fact you guys took time at the beginning of the podcast to reflect on the life and playing career of Kobe. Made a play a cry with, with that one, boys. If anything... That this whole situation has taught us is that life is not long. We've got to love our loved one as long as they're here. For me and all of Laker Nation, I thank you for your thoughts and prayers. Make sure you tell someone you love them because you never know if it will be the last time you see them. Once again, peace and much love to you all. Well put. A sad but very true statement.
1: Love Thunder Down Under. Okay, I got two for you. Sorry to double up, but I think they're both worthy. Number one, have you ever heard a coach say they don't want to be aggressive? The rhetoric is all, always seems to be aggressive in nature. It's all relative. So just how aggressive has Pack Shermer been on offense, really? How does he rank on fourth down attempts? What about fourth down attempts in the red zone? Completions past 20 yards. What does the data tell us all on the relative aggression of Pack Shermer?
0: I can only answer one of these off the top of my head, and it's that they were second in completions of 20 yards last year behind only the Chiefs. Yeah. They're looking downfield. He does. And yep. they're looking down downfield
1: yeah, even without OBJ.
0: I loved his answer of like how like what do you how do you be more aggressive or why are you aggressive like that? He's like oh, you just chuck it down there. You just have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Number two, free agency. Is it possible to take several new contracts and heavily front end the cap impact into this year, so we in effect move cap into 2021 and 2022? How front end can contracts be? The feeling I get is that we may be tempted to overpay people to use all the space we have. Deferring free cat to be res- ready for paying A.J. Johnson, Corwin Sutton, and Bradley Chubb over the next few years seems a touch wiser, and we still get some great bodies
2: into
0: the room on the way through. It's, you got Bradley Chubb under control for three more years. It's a it's mm. a
2: really good point, though. This is something that the 49ers did a couple of mm. years ago when they had like $100 million, and they set themselves up well. Now Jimmy G has a cap hit, I think, of like $20 million and a few years ago he had a cap hit of like $35 million when they had tons of money. The thing is, it's just not necessarily a win-now move. So I think John Elway doesn't want to set himself up for the future. He wants to set himself up for now as well.
1: And you've also got some other contracts that will come off the books naturally over the years, like Von Miller, for example. Yep. Uh, you're going to get – presuming you cut Joe Flacco, you're going to get him off the books uh, – after this year and it's just easy to take care of
0: before we move out before we move on a quick shout out to a longtime dnvr partner they show us love you guys got to show them love it's green mountain dental they're located out in lakewood and they are the best damn family-owned dentistry office around uh, make sure that you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam with them and they're going to hook you up with the free Sonicare toothbrush so you can keep those pearly whites pearly and white even when you aren't Stopping by Green Mountain Dental. So make sure you hit them up today. Sir James Radio says XFL looked good, gents, but
2: oh man, it's really tough to want to root for the local SoCal talk with Charles Canoff leading the charge. Man, yeah, I think it'd be fun to or I think it'd be easy to root for Chad Kanoff.
1: Yeah, that exactly. So you said it right there. Now he wants to go by Charles.
0: Oh, does he? But he will always right. be right. I mean,
1: he will always be Chad Kanoff to me.
2: <laughs> he <laughs> says Pat McAfee's
1: real
0: quick. That's got to be my squad. I, I I saw, and then he was like yelling at the coach. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah jacking went, off, going off. Yep. <laughs> and Nelson Spruce is on that team. So that's oh yeah, that's your. That's By the your way, squad. this is
1: the second straight year that people have been saying that Nelson Spruce will be back in the NFL because he was doing well in the AAF last year, and people are like, oh, he's going to be in the NFL this fall.
0: Yep. Cody says, "Can we get Metallica for halftime?" And I say, "No, you can't." No. And it's nothing to do with, that's nothing against Metallica. For me, it's just, no, you're not going to get that. No. Not Tim Tebow says, hey guys, haven't commented in a while, but have been listening
2: for a lot here lately. For some reason, I really enjoy the off-season talk. Anyway, I was wanting y'all's opinion on whether I should go to my first Denver and NFL game in Atlanta two hours away this year, or if I should hold off and save up to travel to Denver for the full experience. And, yes, I know the Atlanta game might be in London, but still. I'd say, yes, you should go to London. You should go to London, (laughs) but I
1: I would also consider saving up. Also, uh, you're two hours away from Atlanta in which direction because if you are, say, two hours northeast of Atlanta, you can go to Charlotte and catch the Bronco-Panther game right there too.
0: Yep. Uh, Side questions. What's with the Mace yelling 75? We've told this one a lot. Didn't we tell it last week? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> Give but, it like 10 words. Okay. I, I
1: don't know if I can do 10 words, but...
0: Uh, you're already uh, at seven.
1: Hall of Famer Steve Atwater. After his career, co-produced a movie. The movie was originally called 75. It is now known as Dead Tone. You can download it on iTunes. There is a scene in there where they a bunch of college kids talk about playing a game. And one of the one of the college kids slams the phone down. You hear some like the dramatic sound effect, and says 75. And the game is that you prank call somebody, and you have to keep them on the line for 75 seconds. All right, good job. <laughs> wow. Is
0: RK still on keto? I'm on like this um, uh, f- free, open style of keto. <laughs>
2: You're in an open relationship with keto yeah, right now?
0: It's actually working pretty well for me right now. I, I, I do want to buckle down. I just keep having these events come up where I'm like, I can't uh, – Last year, I was so strict on keto, and it really worked, and, and it got me to a place where I now can do this, um, but it was I also missed out on some experiences. So, like, this upcoming weekend, I'm going to Philly. I'm going to eat a Philly cheesesteak, but until then, I'm going to eat keto. There you go. That
2: sounds mm-hmm. like a win-win. He says, love, love, love listening to you guys makes working nights bearable. Not Tim Tebow from Birmingham, Alabama.
1: So, I guess from Birmingham, that means you're not going to Charlotte, so if I'd read that... I would have known, and that made my comment look like an idiot. Also, he asked, any update on ownership? No, no update. There probably won't be updates for the, for, for the near future. Right now, the lawsuit brought by Beth Bowen-Wallace and uh, Amy Klemmer is in discovery. It's supposed to hit trial in September. Until then, you're not going to see a lot uh, coming out regarding ownership changes. Newman, so hear me out. How to prevent teams from tanking for the number one spot in the NFL? The team that comes in last in the NFL (laughs) gets relegated to the XFL, and the champion of the XFL moves up to the NFL. Each year, though, there will be this two-team swap. At first, it would be lopsided talent to the NFL, but eventually it would even out with some former XFL teams snagging first overall picks from the NFL draft Kind of copying the model Lithuania has for their two basketball leagues. Look,
0: or like the English Premier League, the, one of the biggest leagues every in the world, not Lithuania's <laughs> basketball league.
1: Every soccer league in the, in the world except like MLS having promotion relegation. Look, I would love it if the NFL had 36 teams and had like an NFL 1, NFL 2, 18 teams each. You played w- one game against every other team in your tier. And then the postseason had, say, Twelve teams from NFL one, four teams from NFL two. Some that way, every team has a chance at the Super Bowl theoretically going into the year. Promotion and relegation between the two leagues. I've detailed this on social media a few times how it would work, but it's not coming to the NFL. It's I not happening.
0: Would one million percent support this idea from a fan perspective? It will never, ever, 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 ever happen because of the billion dollar billionaire owners. Who control the entire operation and the fact that fans are fickle if the Panthers got relegated to the second league they wouldn't get attendance and so then the owners would be losing money they're just not going to ever agree to something where they have a chance of losing money Which and on
2: top of that it would just end up being the same teams that swap every single year because that best XFL team would be a trash NFL team and then the NFL team would be able to get no players in free agency because they'd be playing in the XFL every other year
0: yeah it's it's not possible but I like the idea from a fan perspective.
2: Next one coming in from Def Wu. Hey, guys, a couple quick questions. Sorry if you've covered these since the season ended. I've been listening but haven't heard them brought up. First, is Juwan Winfrey a lost cause? No. I had hoped last season that he could be a promising late-round pick, but he failed to produce at all after the preseason. What's the feeling about him in the building? His
1: biggest advocate, Zach
0: Azani, is still the wide receiver's coach. That's the number one reason why he's not a lost cause.
2: Also, Shermer's spread spread it out offense should be fun to watch, but could this be the beginning of the end for Jano? I know we just gave him a new contract, but does he still have a place in this offense? Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Is it the beginning of the end for Jano? Yes. But, but he's I, going to have another full year. Yes.
1: He sticks one more year, but that being said, I'd buy Andrew Beck stock.
2: Yep. Oh, what's going on with this next comment?
0: Next one is Virginia Beach Broncos. He just linked to an article and says, not sure if this link works or if you talked about this on the pod already, but TC has landed on his feet, and Zach, he's going to be a Brown. I was born outside Cleveland, so my extended family on my dad's side are all Browns fans. I grew up in Arvada, and at some point in the 80s, after a couple Bronco wins over the Browns, the drive and the fumble, we stopped being able to talk about football with that side of the family. They hate LA. Anyway, I still have a soft spot in my heart for Cleveland and also for the McCartney family. So I'm excited to see how he does working with Baker.
1: Isn't he an offensive assistant? So he won't be working exclusively with Baker. He's going to be doing kind of a lot of uh, film review and cross checking and so forth.
0: Yeah. Um, I would expect him to move up the ranks again after this season. It's kind of awkward, the timing and all that stuff you kind of have to take a step back to then later be able to take a step forward. Well, some
1: of those 49er assistants may move on to head coaching jobs after this year and, I would imagine both TC and Rich Scangarello will probably elevate their standing from where they are right now. Yeah, TC and year.
0: Rich Scangarello both have the same title, don't they? Offensive assistant. Or? Uh, with
1: Scangarello is a senior offensive assistant. Uh, so he's Big just time. older. Big and, time. And he has a few more supervisory responsibilities. And in effect, Rich Scangarello is going to be the quarterback coach in Philly.
2: Ooh, Benny Lava Mace just read an article stating that Flacco would be the perfect fit in Tampa. What the heck are they smoking down there? But hey, if they want to trade for him, that's great news for the Broncos. Terrible news for you, my friend.
1: I saw that article. I thought it was insane. Um, that I being... actually do have the
0: perfect place for Joe Flacco: retirement, the, the surface of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tampa gets pretty hot
1: sometimes. It feels like the surface of the sun down there in the <laughs> in the summertime. Uh, there was the only notion of Flacco that I thought made some sense um, would be temporary. There was a suggestion of signing him and then drafting Justin Herbert. Now I'm not sold on either quarterback.
0: Ugh, oh. uh, I'm no, I, I don't want it. From Denveria or Denveria? I'd probably I probably don't with Denveria, but Denveria I don't sounds practice too much like diarrhea. No, it's
1: <laughs> I don't practice Denveria like oh. Santeria.
0: Okay, all right. From Yeah, Denveria. Denveria. Hey, guys, I started listening to the pod while living three months in Riverview, Florida. Mace will know the place for sure. Sure do. I brought my love for the pod back to Germany, my home and native country. As a lifelong Avalanche fan and since Tebow mania and also Broncos fan, I'm literally addicted to listening to you guys. It's so incredibly hard to follow my favorite teams here in Europe. But thanks to you guys, Zach, RK, Mace, and Rudo, I don't have to worry about this anymore. I never miss a single Av or Bronco game thanks to Game Center and Game Pass subscriptions and also never miss a pod. And I'm so proud to announce that finally, yes, you got me. My third US subscription therefore belongs to you guys and I'm so glad I joined the family. Sorry for the long introduction. I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything you do. You bring so much joy in my life and I can tell that you really mean it when you say you truly care for your great community. I hope one day I will meet you in person. Thank you, man. That means so much That's to us. Wonderful. That, is, that is so
2: cool, and we truly do mean it, how much this community means.
0: And if you make it to a Broncos game and a Broncos tailgate ever, you'll certainly meet us in person. Yes. He goes on, here's my question. I heard rumors that the NFL is thinking about doing games in other European cities, including Berlin. Have you heard anything about it, and how good are the chances in your opinion? Well, Once- what,
1: what's interesting is, of course, we're hearing reports about the uh, 17-game schedule being proposed as part of the new CBA. And there's some significant pushback from the players' side. Understandably so. But a 17-game schedule does open things wide up for more international play. Berlin's on the list. Frankfurt, which had a successful team in NFL Europe for many years. The Galaxy is on is on the list as well. There are even other venues in the United Kingdom that will probably be considered... Uh, perhaps Cardiff in Wales at Millennium Stadium, uh, maybe even Manchester or up to Scotland where they had the Scottish Claymores back in the day. It's something that is coming, and I think one of the things they will want to see if there is further play in Europe, it's possible that you may see some teams going over for two weeks and playing consecutive games in europe because that's something they're going to want to test out as well for a potential team that is based over on that side of the ocean
2: yep and you're already seen the jags do that this year
0: from uppercut of justice why is it that whenever folks complain about halftime shows it's followed by pushing a dad rock band you know the answer to that. <laughs> kind of like when you, re- when you yeah. read a certain kind of tweet and you know the Avi is going to be someone wearing Oakleys in their truck. You just know it's coming. Yeah, you answered your own question.
1: Well, you go for the safe thing, right? It was the, at the year after Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake and the exposed uh, nipple.
0: <laughs> it was
1: Paul McCartney the following year in
0: Jacksonville. Yep, and there was no mm-hmm. problems with areolas on uh, that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Coach Tobin says, "Hello, Broncos family. I come to you with a fairly off-the-cuff question, but this is the off-season, right? I'm a single guy here with a 14 and 7-year-old boy who I see often where I live. Also, have reconnected with my high school sweetie, and I've been talking for over a year now. Problem is, we live five hours apart. We are discussing me moving to her area and being together, which is great. Only hang-up is that I will be away from my sons except when they come to visit, etc. There is really no option for her to move to my area at the moment." or ever as she has a child of her own. I have sought advice on each side I can, but thought I'd try here. I've got a great job here with lots of opportunities to grow. What would y'all do? I kind of feel like I know the answer, but I felt like it would be cool for another perspective. I want to know how you feel.
3: Hmm. And that's probably
2: what
0: you should do. This is a really tough scenario. Um, it is. Oh, man. I... Here's what I'll say. Sometimes that you meet the right person and it's the wrong time. And maybe that you just kind of reconnected with this person at the wrong time in both of your lives. Um, but that doesn't mean there isn't another right person out there for you. One thing that will never change is your kids are always going to be your kids. And so I lean towards staying where you are, making sure you get to spend as much time with your boys. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And maybe that right time could come later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I that's hard to argue with. Yeah, that's. I mean, I I think about that like in. A, I think, what would I do if, if you were talking? If that was my daughter in that scenario, and I'd be like, I don't know if I I couldn't sacrifice that. And that, the, and that's important.
0: Adding in the part that you have a great job, yes. opportunities to grow. It seems like you're in a really good situation um and it would be a pretty big risk to leave it
1: yeah you're you're giving up a lot for one thing it's one important thing but it's one thing so that's kind of my take boucher all day all right guys by the way thanks for coming to us with that that's pretty cool yeah that's yeah i just i mean i don't know how much we can help but shows the community maybe maybe this maybe what we need is like a collective uh like an advice column
0: yeah dear rk
1: (laughs) (laughs) boucher all day all right guys you get to witness the most awesome pickup game of basketball you've ever seen. And later today, what players are going to play each of these positions from the Broncos? Center, power forward, small forward, shooting guard, point guard. I keep going through the names in my mind, but the only name I can come up with is Shelby Harris for center with all those bad passes. Love you, fam. Well, what I'm going to get
0: do? literal here because I know which players are good at basketball. Drew Locke for every position? Yeah. Uh, Drew Locke is your shooting guard. Your center is, who's taller, Cortland Sutton or Noah Fant? No, they're at the same, right?
2: I'm taking Fant for center. I think Fant's
0: center. I think
1: Cortland is my power forward.
0: Okay, so Fant's your center. Cortland's your power forward. Your small forward is Justin Simmons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Your shooting guard is Drew, or he can play point guard too, um, but he is a knockdown shooter. The point guard, that's giving me a little bit of issues here. I just I'm gonna assume that Brett Ripon is also good at basketball and making that point guard.
2: <laughs> He'd be smart with the ball, right?
0: Yeah, I like that. He's just a, he's a distributor. Do you have a sixth man? Um, who else is good at ball on the team? I think mm. we hit them all. I feel like Deshaun Hamilton could play.
2: Probably, yep. Another smart player. I
0: also feel like
1: a Bradley Chubb could be a oh. physical presence Jeez. somewhere in there.
0: Although I watched him airball a free throw at the game the other (laughs) night. No, but
1: I think he's somebody who comes in off the bench. He's he's the enforcer. Right. You tell him, okay, Bradley.
0: Got five fouls. You got five fouls. (laughs) (laughs) Five fouls in this pickup game. (laughs) How are we going to about Von Miller? Mm. Oh, yeah, he's okay. Oh, Will Parks can stroke
2: too. Maybe that's your guy coming off the bench. Yeah. Orange Crush says, I read something today saying the Broncos have been inquiring – about moving up to the number one pick. Okay, so we have talked about this, and there, there's a lot of comments about this. So.
0: Yeah. So if you if you ask about this, obviously we already covered it, but we will read your comment. Next one's from Love Thunder Down Under. I have a hard time understanding this one. Monday in Australia, me minding my own business, being a productive individual. NFL Broncos and trade rumors for number one overall pick. Kinda. Me. Why do you always find a way to hurt me like this? Screaming and sobbing, running from the building.
1: See what you did, Dan Silio. To. This poor guy in Australia. See what you did to him. Dan
2: Burke says, considering the Super Bowl is in Tampa this year, the NFL would be fools not to invite Tampa native Kia to perform her classic hit. It's a family pod, so I wouldn't say the name of the song, but I know y'all know it. If Zach and Mace don't, then RK hundred percent does. I think I know it. And you can't say it. She's I mean, not
1: a Tampa native though. She was born in Philly.
2: Well, here's all she the, was,
1: she did live in Tampa. This is
2: the exact reason why they can't why she can't be on the Super Bowl. It's because of this.
0: Well, he knows he's just joking. Yep, I knew it. It's my neck, my back. You can say that. Oh wow! You just can't say yeah. the lyrics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Grant, we're sleeping on the most obvious Super Bowl halftime performer, Rihanna. Guest appearances by Drake and Eminem. I think that would be an ideal scenario for general audiences. Mm. That's not mm. bad. I, I could I could get down with that. Real quick, boys. Which, which, which Eminem song do you want to hear? The-
0: Real quick, yeah. not to derail things. Yeah. Buffs just came in. Number 16 hey, in the polls. So your week is made. Climbing the ladder. Now things get tough. They got to go on the road to Oregon this week. And Oregon State, who already beat them at home. Haven't they already taken care of Oregon? They have taken care of Oregon at home. What's Oregon ranked? They were uh, 14th going into this week, but they lost to Oregon State. So Buffs are probably have a higher rank. Yeah, Buffs are going to be high-ranked. They will not be favored in the game, I uh, guarantee The that. Buffs
1: are going to split the the, the, the oh, weekend. If man. they split, that's fantastic. I think they'll lose to the Ducks, and they're going to get revenge on the Beavers. This
0: is a really hard thing for um, Buffs fans to understand for some reason, but winning on the road against, against bad college basketball teams is difficult. Winning on the road against average college basketball teams is very hard, <laughs> and winning on the road against good college basketball teams is nearly impossible.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Good luck. But that's Thank why
1: you. I think one of the best – it's not on the road, but one of the best attributes for the Buffs going to the tournament is their neutral site record this year too.
0: Yeah. they I mean, mm. their resume is glimmering. All right, from Larry Den Jr. Hey, fellas, hope you had an awesome weekend. Me and my fellas in our Los Angeles Broncos fan chat have convos weekly, if not every other day, about team building. Got two questions. Number one, what's the best we can hope for if Henry Ruggs isn't there at fifteen? I've done a few mock drafts on draftnetwork.com. And if Henry Ruggs isn't there, the best pick you can make is Andrew Thomas. And I just don't know about a tackle on the first. So what would you uh, like if Kinlaw is gone and Ruggs is gone? Would you trade down and grab LaVisca? Or what else do you like around that range? Uh,
1: If Andrew Thomas and Tristan Wirfs are on the board at 15, then you're in good shape and you're getting good value there. That's fine.
2: Yeah, I personally like Andrew Thomas there as well. Okay. Um,
0: also, if you want LaVisca, don't trade down. Just pick him.
2: Mm. Especially if multiple receivers are already gone. Yep. Mm.
0: Wow, buffs at sixteen, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. We've got a happy Ryan. For I was the last expecting like minutes. nineteen at best. Because mm. they were twenty-four going into the week. Oh, I thought they, they jumped were 20. eight spots. Wow, that's huge.
1: Although, what's interesting, it says a lot about the Pac-12 overall. You've got two teams from the West that would currently be number one seeds in the. NCAA tournament and neither of them are from the Pac-12.
0: Yeah, the Pac-12 is always going to cannibalize itself. It's just the way that things are unless Arizona is dominant, which they are like once every 4 years. Yep. Um he goes my second question is Jake Butt. I don't want to cut Jake. Man, I believe in him. Uh he has to be good because you can't grow up as a kid with a last name like Butt and not be good at all. You do. I mean, you got to be good or else you're going to have a rough time. (laughs) What's it going to take for him to be healthy and be an impact on this team or is a chapter closing because it would be so unfortunate, especially since we took him over George Kittle, OMG. Uh, I always thought Jake would be the only good thing about our horrendous 2017 draft.
1: Yeah, with Jake, but you're not planning on him being a part of your team. If he's healthy, if somehow that knee holds up and – he's good enough to make the team. It's a nice problem to have. You can figure things out from there. You can probably uh, cut a fringe player another position to make room for Jake Butt on the roster, but you're not sitting here right now planning your 53 for the regular season in 2020 and saying Jake Butt is on there. You just can't do that at this point.
2: Yeah, it's one of the worst things to say. It hurts every time you say it, but that's just the reality of yeah, it. Yeah,
1: we look I like. We talk about players that you like covering. I like covering Jake Butt. I like talking to Jake Butt. He's a really good guy. Yes. I I think we all root for him yep, in course. this room.
0: Yep. He goes on. P.S. Have you guys seen the tweet that says sums up the Joe Flacco era in Denver? There's a play against the Chiefs and Deshaun is so open he can skip to a touchdown. Joe throws it throws it into double coverage instead. Seriously, I'm only 33, so Elway is my first Bronco quarterback. But seriously, is Joe Flacco the worst quarterback in Broncos history to be a starter? I honestly think he's that bad. Am I wrong?
1: Well, I am working on era-adjusted passer ratings, so I'll be able to give you a better answer on this once I have completed this project. But right now, I would say no, he is not the worst starting quarterback in Broncos history. That dubious distinction would go to Steve
0: Ramsey back in the mid-1970s.
2: All right. Rev G says, what do you guys make of the— rep- Oh, okay. Well, Rev G, we already answered your question.
0: Yep. Uh, and then Bronco and SF says the same thing, but he adds on, not sure how to feel about this. Obviously getting Burrow would be amazing, but at what cost? We have so many holes to fill and I really already really like Locke. We're going to ha- uh, have to shell out a lot to get the number one overall pick, maybe even including Locke. When I really like where we sit to, not, to get a lot of talents for big holes. What do you think? Especially interested to hear what, uh, hear what Mace has to say as a Burrow believer.
1: Yeah, and I think, We've seen enough from Locke, but also just what you have the ability to plan on with Pat Shermer coming in, what the draft capital that you have. Joe Burrow, he's intriguing, but it does mean kind of starting from zero, whereas with Drew Locke, you're starting a few steps ahead. And I think for this team, Drew Locke makes sense, this team that fancies itself a playoff contender in 2020.
2: All right, Mace, you trade a first-round pick, Drew Locke, and two seconds for Joe Burrow. Would you do it?
0: In fifteen is that first round pick? Yeah. And then this year's second and next year's second. Yep. Mm.
2: After saying what you just said.
1: Ooh. That's actually good value because I'm not giving up a future one.
2: Right. Do you do it? See, I think it's too good to be true. I, th- so I, think, I don't think the Bengals do it. I think
1: it. the Bengals would be would be idiotic to make that trade. I
2: don't. <laughs> i don't at all. Rev G comes in with another question. He says, I've heard that Flacco has said quietly to the team that he would be okay with staying and being the number two quarterback and mentor Locke. What would you guys think of that?
0: In the words of Michael Scott, no. No, God, please no. No.
2: (laughs) And I think those are about the odds that he will be here. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way.
1: I'd rather have a different style of quarterback as the backup anyway. I'd rather have a Chase Daniel. Someone who has the ability to escape. I don't want a
2: statue back there. Nick for- Geyer chiming in this morning and says, Hope y'all have a great day that turns into a great week. Right same, back at you. Same
1: Nick. to you, Nick, by the way. 813 on his uh, handle. I assume that means you're from Tampa? Mm, that's the area code I down there. Uh, wouldn't have picked that one up. From
0: EOD Brand. Hey guys, this is long but cathartic to me. I want to thank you for your podcast. They've helped me get my mind off reality lately. My dad died Saturday at the much too early age of 55. He had lymphoma in his brain stem. He was fine on Christmas Day and within three weeks was unable to feel or control his body. Aside from his left arm, and he couldn't breathe or swallow. The diagnosis took a few weeks, and by then it was too late. My second son will be born next month, and it kills me that he never got to meet his fantastic pops.
2: Damn, I'm so, so
0: sorry. (sighs) Sorry you're going through. Say that. Seriously. Well, hopefully... um, you know, your son coming into your life can bring you a lot of light. Yeah. He says he was a true Broncos fan. He had Mace like knowledge of the Broncos. I could ask him a score of any game, who was the backup right guard in 1984, who was the week six opponent in 2011. He knew it all. He took me to my first game in 1984 when I was three. I saw him cry when they won Super Bowl 32. He went to Elway's last game in Super Bowl 33. We were at the final Broncos game in Oakland this September. Over the last decade, we went to watch the Broncos game in Green Bay kansas city many times san diego here in dc baltimore and pittsburgh and that and pittsburgh was our target this year it'll never happen i'm sad he had to see the chiefs win the super bowl at least it wasn't the raiders Mm. he lived in lake tahoe california and i'm in maryland i'm going to get him next week and in august we'll take him home to fort collins and spread his ashes in the mountains where he took me trout fishing in the snow melt streams i'd like to smuggle him into mile high but that's kind of weird uh and then he goes on to a question to try and lighten the mood is a meatball sub a sandwich? I hold it like a hot dog or a V in orientation. Thanks for the distraction from life. Go Broncos.
2: Boy, that's a really good question because isn't it's a sub sandwich, right? Like a meatball sub sandwich. So in the name it implies it, but I also would eat it like a hot dog.
1: But it's a V. If you're holding it like a V, that means is the bread kind of on a hinge, basically. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that's bread's, bread's on a hinge. So it's mm-hmm. a hot dog
0: which does kind of ruin mm, this argument. But it's called a meatball sub, a meatball sub sandwich. Is it called
1: a right. sub sandwich or just a sub?
0: So I'm saying it's, it's,
2: this ruins it. This ruins the argument of the orientation. Of the V. Yeah. The v
0: argument. Wow. I think I still eat it C method. You huh. eat it C method, huh? You can't bite top to bottom. No, on I still,
2: I, oh, okay. Well, this is a good point. Cause I do turn the head sideways the head to turn, bite it. Yeah, the head turn really <laughs> makes things <Yeah>. difficult. <laughs>
0: Uh EOD brand, seriously, our thoughts are with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hope that y- you can really find peace um, and we, any help that we can provide, uh, whether it's just by creating the podcast or if you want to reach out, we're happy to talk. Yeah, and it does mean a lot that, that you share
2: that with us. Absolutely. And also,
1: I was just thinking about uh, what you would ask uh, your father. And I would have loved to have seen his response if you asked him the week six opponent in 2011, because I'm sure he would have said, There was no Week 6
0: opponent in 2011. The Broncos had a bye. (laughs) (laughs) Last one here is from Logan. He says, hey, guys, as a Michigan State fan, I've really been enjoying the Michigan State talk on the last few pods. I've always felt like I've been watching the Broncos twice on weekends since MSU has followed the Broncos' style of bad offense and good defense. (laughs) Mace, after visiting the Senior Bowl and Shrine game, do you have any comments on Kenny Willicks and Raquan Williams from Michigan State? Both fit the senior captain and character molds the Broncos are looking for. Also, Kenny said on the stick-to-football pod that the Broncos were his second-favorite team to go to.
1: I'm actually still kind of watching all the film that I got to, from down there. Admittedly, like, none, none of them jumped out. Uh, neither of them jumped out on first uh, analysis of what I saw down at the senior bowl. He
0: says, lastly, I'm sure RK had a sigh of relief when Tucker said he was flattered but not interested in the MSU job. Yeah, that was a, an interesting couple days. I, um... I put my reporter hat on and started digging, and I, I, uh, I feel like I knew as much as anyone about this uh, scenario. So I was a little more calm than most Buffs fans. So not
1: even a pay raise or a raise for assistance out of this?
0: So this is an interesting thing, and I would love to talk about this on the Buffs podcast with Henry when stuff like this happens, there's a lot of negotiation that goes on. Right. And interestingly enough, Mel Tucker was with Rick George from the second that this interest happened, which is beneficial for the buffs because then there's no, like no returning calls, which can help negotiations and make you feel scared. Um, sometimes it's money and I'm sure a lot was discussed in this, but other times it's little things that you feel like you need to be successful. And I think that goes along more of what Mel Tucker was trying to uh, negotiate here was, all right, I'll stick around, but I need this X, Y, and Z.
1: And that's why I I brought up kind of the notion of the assistance because I remember it came up with Frank Beamer a couple of times when he was coaching at Virginia Tech, and there were schools that came after him, and one of his big things was, okay, I want to see the commitment to my staff. Yeah, I want more money for these guys so they don't go skedaddling off to better
0: jobs. And um, Mel Tucker mentioned in the kind of a thing that he was doing with donors the other day mm-hmm. um, that he was able to keep his staff together this year even though uh, the offensive line coach was um, offered more money at other places. So, And,
1: and that's huge. the the, con, the con, It's overlooked because we focus on the head coach, but the continuity of the assistant coaches because they're so involved with recruiting and each of them has like a region that they've got to focus on. It's just massive. It's probably more important to have continuity in the assistant coaching staff in college football than in pro football. For sure.
0: Mm, Continuity with the coaching staff is important, huh? (laughs) He finishes and says, P.S. haven't said this yet, but Mace was a great addition to the pod. When I saw the first pod with Mace, I thought it was a Brandon Pernick guest situation. But when I found out he was here to stay, I ran and told my mom how excited I was. She, of course, said, Okay, cool. Not having any idea who Mace was. (laughs) Thanks and have a great day. (laughs) Thank you.
1: I appreciate it.
0: Yep, and thank you guys all for listening. Thank you all for your nice uh, reviews on iTunes. Thanks for all of your support. Thanks for sharing us your stories. Thanks for asking for our advice, everything. Thanks for being the great family that you all are. And we will talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast.
4: the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, is it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy spirits, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well, because just of the size of the selection. I also like the uh, extensive selection of some uh, hard to find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirits staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I'm always chatting. With the wine staff about different things and saying, oh, I like this. What else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. Uh, wines, I find them extremely helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. <laughs>